For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God in everything I write here. Hey, hey, everybody, this is On One with Angela Rye. I am your host, and I am so, so, so excited because my girl wrote another book, y'all. Mm-hmm. New York Times best selling author, Lovey Ajayi Jones. Jones, see, you said it wasn't a tongue twister in the book, but when you add in that extra layer that Jones, Lovey, it actually is kind of tough. <laughs> but Lovey is a Nigerian American writer, speaker, and self proclaimed truth teller. Today, she meets the truth bringer to talk about this incredible art, this incredible book, all of the truth, professional troublemaker. And Lovey, thank you, my sister. I'm so glad that you're here with me. Thank you for having me, Angela. You know, I, I can't I can't say no to the queen. Girl, I'm so glad um, that we are finally getting to do this. We've talked about it forever. Yes. And I'm glad that it's about a new book. I think before we were going to talk about writing a book and um, judging you and everything else. And now we have a whole new work to talk about. So I'm excited. So first, I got to say, I got my box. <laughs> Your starter kit, your professional troublemaker starter kit. My professional troublemaker starter kit. Now, you know I'm already a troublemaker, so I wanted yes. to this for the people that just had to get, you know, the book at the store and they didn't get the, the VIP box. And so first of all, y'all, let's start here. <laughs> um, this is muy importante. Okay, Lovey's got some tips for you, letting you know the Cliff Notes version. That does not mean don't read the book. And black owned, the whole box is curated by businesses that are black women owned. The whole box. I love that. This, and I know district of clothing. This, oh, you guys can't see that. That says good trouble, good troublemaker, good troublemaker. Here, let me yes. take this out so I do this right. Are you selling these, Levy? Can people buy these? So th- this colorway, you can buy the shirt, but this colorway was only created custom for y'all VIPs. But you still, you can buy this on District of Clothing. They have the white and black version. Okay. Well, they said they want the black and red version. Look, I'll talk to, I'm going to talk to Giona and see if, you know, her and I can partner on this black and red version. I love that. This is so lovey. Like, this is so you right here. But <laughs> at least it's a like smiley it. face this time. This is on brand. This is a little smiley face. Look, it's still I judging a little bit. I love that. I know it's like, it's like, you know, you might be cool, but I'm thinking about it. Okay, right. then we have, ooh, Organic Bath Company Peaceful Lavender Organic Body Butter because every uh, professional troublemaker needs to be soothed. Don't be out here ashy. <laughs> right, or and, and, envy and don't be ashy. This is Moroccan Rose. I love these. That is one of my favorite body butters. Okay, and then, ooh. I'm throwing this little, you know, this This is the stuff. You do not want to have to recycle this. Look at that. You That's every damn wear, love you. Talk about troublemaker. She just made <laughs> trouble on my keyboard. Okay, this I love. Lit Brooklyn. And it smells so good. Does it say what kind of, with the scent? It doesn't, but this is amazing. Lovey, this is so good. Oh, and then you know, Melissa, girl, I just bought um, three more of these. Melissa, I bought it from you. You know, I love you, girl. I still got to tell everybody about the Melissa. They're amazing. But this color, it looks good on every single shade of blackness, okay? Every. Every. It's called Boss, Boss Lady, Lady, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Pop that. OBC Skin Enhanced Facial Oil. I'm always ashy in the face, so I'm definitely... Not good. always ashy in the face. Girl, 
Always. Like my my um makeup artist would be like, did you put moisturizer on today? <laughs> Let me help you out with that, Angela. Have you ever used a hyaluronic acid serum? If your face is dry, mine is. Uh-huh. But you this can't tell. face is never dry. No, this is because I use good serums. You got to use a hyaluronic um, serum under your moisturizer. It's going to it's gonna make your makeup go on so much smoother. Can you text me with the name of the one you I use? T- I'm going to text you. you. I'm telling you, your makeup artist will be like, sis, you're doing something different. Because like, it's gonna- did you go get that hydrofacial? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text you the exact one that I use. It's bomb. Like, you see my skin right now? I don't have on any foundation. Lady. I don't get on foundation. Girl, you have you got the anointed glow right now. You look good. This box is everything, sis. And the fact that you are always supporting us is one of the reasons why I couldn't wait to get you on the pod. And I sorry, I, I promise I didn't drop it. It just sounded really loud. Um, it is nicely placed on the floor. But this book, like, we gotta dive in because yes. not only are you now giving me face care regimens, Lovey is just like a life coach. And even if she doesn't <laughs> have time to coach y'all up, this will be a great starter. Can we get into it, Lovey? Let's get into it. I love seeing all the tabs you got in there. I love Girl, it. homework. And I'm still I'm so ready for this. So the first place I really want to start with you. You guys know I normally would do a rapid round, but trust me, we're gonna do some um some exercises that Lovey doesn't even know she just signed up for because she gave me 53 minutes and I'm about to take every bit of it. I might have take it. 49 now. That's my boundary. <laughs> I'm taking up all your time. Now, if I run over, your responsibility is to tell me we over. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I will manage my own boundaries. Amen. You manage your own boundaries. Okay. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk about is your grandmother. Yeah. She is present throughout this entire book. And Lovey, you know, there's something about um, a black grandmother's love and how they are present with us even when they're not. I know you lost her in 2011. Yeah. Um, but just wanting to hear from you, how present was she with you writing this book? Like the wisdom that you both observed from her that, and then the wisdom that was spoken as well as just like, was she sitting with you, sis, while you were writing this? Because it was like, let me tell you about a real G. And G in this instance does not mean grandmother. She was a gangster, for real. She was a gangster. Right? <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to I hear from that, though, because there are people um, among us who have lost their grandparents. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think, such a refreshing way to uplift her, um, yeah. to uplift her legacy. And you see how much she means and um, is really embedded in the woman you've become. Yeah, my grandmother, Mama following you, was a G for real in that this woman would love you deeply and lambast you deeply also. You know, she didn't take no shit, she, but she was so kind. Like, my grandmother was somebody who people would knock on her door and they might say, like, hey, just visiting. My grandmother, have you eaten? She'll make you come inside. She'll get you food, make you eat, put some in the Tupperware and give you money and send you out in the world. My grandmother used to go to the market randomly and come back with somebody and be like, they're going to stay with us for two weeks. And you'd be like, how you just go and pick up somebody new? Because she would see somebody who looked young and be like, why are you here selling these things? Do you have parents? Are you okay? Do you go to school? And the person would tell her her whole life story. And my grandma would be like, come stay with me. And we'd just be like, okay, so I guess we got a new play cousin. And it was just normal because for her, she didn't like to see people suffer. Her love of everybody was so real. So even beyond her own kids to where some people forgot who her actual grandkids were and who the ones she just picked up along the way were. <laughs> and 
you know, she was just, she took up space without apologizing. She celebrated herself. She would, and she loved the Lord, of course, right? That's like grandmother, black grandma bingo. They got to love the Lord deeply and have a main line. And this one prayed. She prayed for three hours every day. From 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. every single day. Every day. Man, that's like, I'm just, I literally just had a church shut-in flashback. Like, that's how long we prayed on special occasions at church for three hours in coaching church. So, (laughs) dang. But that is so powerful. And I just, like, I felt it. I was like, this woman has shaped her in so many ways. And I think that that is a common experience throughout the diaspora of how much our grandparents mean to us and how much we cherish and honor the elders. So speaking of a grandmother's wisdom, you know, you spend a lot of time talking about fear in this book. And in particular, um, in the intro, you, um, you talk about how a certain amount of fear is healthy. And I want to understand from you how you dis- distinguish fear versus wisdom. Because some of mm. what you describe to me sounds like wisdom and somebody told you, like, don't do this because they did it, right? Like, <laughs> they're trying to protect mm-hmm. you. And it's, um, it's more of a reverence instead of a fear. How do you dis- distinguish between the two? Fear is to keep you safe in the moments when you're in physical or psychological danger. Mm-hmm. right? So fear keeps you from putting your hand in fire, you know, jumping out of a plane without a parachute. That fear is valid. Putting on yeah. a mask when you leave the house during the panorama, okay? That fear is valid. You know, <laughs> but that same thing is what keeps you from going for what you want to. Yeah. That same thing is the same thing that keeps you from speaking truth to power because you don't know how people are going to respond. That same emotion will keep you from asking for a raise or a promotion because you, you're you afraid of the no. And yeah. I'm just like, you have to know when the fear is useful and when it's actually stunting you. And for me over the years, in the moments when I act like the same fear that keeps me from putting my hand in fire is also now one that tells me to say no to Ted when they ask me to do this talk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I lose. You know, if I'm constantly moving with this fear of what the world is going to do or say about me, I'm not going to do what I am purposed and brought here to do. Yeah, I get that. Okay, well, we don't have to have this fear and wisdom debate another time, too. But I I do hear what you're saying. I think um, that part of it is, uh, you know, the reverence for what, like, you know, is going to happen versus like something that's binding you up. It's like it's a bondage restriction versus a. You know, wisdom says it's like a cage, you know, yeah. what I mean? like it's like a cage when you create a box. Now, the world might put you in a box because, you know, as black people, mm-hmm. as black women, as anybody on the margins. Absolutely. The world is throwing things to be afraid at our feet. We're placed in the box that says you belong in here. But I think there's a piece of us that also needs to understand that I don't belong in the box and I'm going to do what I can to get out of it. Yeah. So a lot of that fear will keep us in the box, though, because it will tell us that don't even try to get out of it because you won't make it. Mm -hmm. Right. But what happens when you say, all right, I know I'm in this box and I know I'm afraid of what's waiting for me outside the box or if I even try to get out of it. But then saying I'm going to at least try. Mm -hmm. I might not succeed in getting out the box, but at least I tried. So that's where the fear and the wisdom come in is like I'm hoping I'm wise enough or I, I choose the courage in those moments. Because even if I don't make it out that box, at least I know I tried. And I'm not going to beat myself up for being too afraid to even try. Yeah. Yep. I, I get it. Okay. So now, Lovey, 
um, you know, that you are a truth teller and I'm a truth bringer. So I have a, a truth for you. So yes. in this um, chapter on Know Yourself, you talk about Orikis. Is that the right way to yeah, say that? That is. Okay. Orikis. And you write your Oriki and you talk about how these are, um, well, I want you to describe what they are for the, for the audience. But I also yes. want to note that you say these are the things that gas you up. And in yours, I'm like, Lovey didn't really gas herself up. So I'm like, my exercise for you today is I want you to redo yours. Oh, you want me to redo? You didn't think mine was gassing myself up enough? I don't. Word. I don't because when you talk about, so I'm not going to tell you guys need to still buy this book, but I just had to read this one. For Michelle Obama, you say, um, well, first, let's time out. Tell everybody what an Oriki is and then I'll read Michelle Obama. Bet. So an Oriki is, you know, it's a tradition of Yoruba land. I'm a Yoruba girl in Nigeria. And it is something that ties you to who you are and whose you are. It ties you to your lineage. It reminds you of what about you is amazing. I I call it a standing ovation for your spirit. And it's something that I think everybody should have. Yeah. You know, and I think in the diaspora, there is the traditional Doriki. We don't call it that, though. Hip hop is full of that. You know what I mean? When you see disc records and people are telling them how dope they are, that's no Riki. So I did introduce it in here. And I wrote certain people Orikis and I wrote my own and I asked people to write theirs. Yep. So Michelle right. Obama's Oriki. Yeah. Michelle, for Michelle Obama, Michelle LeVon of House Obama, first of her name, Dame of Dignity, Melanin Magnificence, Chic Chicagoan, Boss Lady of Brilliance, <laughs> owner of the Arms of Your Envy, Forever First Lady. Word. Now let's read yours. (laughs) Lovey of House Jones, first of her name, assassin of the alphabet. I love that. Bestseller of books, conqueror of copy, dame of diction, critic of culture, sorceress of side eyes, (laughs) facts, eater of jollof rice, rocker of fierce shoes, queen of the Jones kingdom, taker of stages, Nigerian noble, and shy town creator. That's not what you're reading it right now. I'm like, yep, that's me. I mean, but I just have to say, in my defense, part of this is how I read this, right? Like, got you. Got- <laughs> well, I'll say it this way. Instead of you rewriting it, because after my reading of it, Lovey, it is pretty good. But I just, I would ask you, is there okay. anything that you feel like you represent, or maybe since you wrote this in the book that you would add to it now? Ooh. That's good. I might put something about my cheekbones. Ooh, have come her, on, Lovey. Yes. I might have to put something about my cheekbones. You know, yes. have her of cheekbones that could cut glass. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That, that, will, that will pass. I'll give you that. That will um, pass. I like that. So I'm not going to write my um, Ariki right now, but this is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. I am going to. But I need you to write yours, Angela. (laughs) I Bringer of truths. Okay. Protector of culture. All right. (laughs) My Ariki might become my new social media bio. Like I would, you know, we should do lovey. Can we have an Ariki challenge for the book? I think it's another way for people to know how important it is to go buy this. Like, once you buy the book and you start reading, put your Ariki up as your social media bio. So funny enough, today we're actually posting a video that's asking people to do this. 
Right. Well, can I get a consultant fee or I don't have to vote on that? <laughs> the video already gone. But yeah, like I want, I had, so I'm, I'm actually going to read one for you that a seven-year-old wrote for themselves. Oh, I want to, I want to see the baby. Where's the baby? It's, Is that going to be in the video? I don't know if it's in the video, but okay. I, I'm going to, I might post it. Their mom sent it to me. He oh. put giver of best hugs. Man, oh. when I tell you I oh fell out. God. Like That's when so babies good. write themselves, this thing is so grandiose. And, and lovey is so them. sad because they're not even gonna be able to hug you because your boundaries. Listen, <laughs> I will hug the babies. Okay, I will oh, hug okay, the babies okay. and people who I know. I'll, I'll okay. So I'll read it to you right now. Okay. So this baby is. Let me see. Thirteen. Oh, six. Jordan oh. is six, and his Oriki is. Uh. Awesome son, cool Jordan, amazing kid, best Fortnite player, super nice boy, giver of the best hugs, heart of gold, nice to others and my mom, good at being myself, rainbow reader of books, awesome gamer, spectacular at bingo, great listener, and just golden rapper. Oh, I love right? Jordan. Jordan, right? I love your Ricky. And I love that he's so aware of um, how he is received and wants to be perceived by others. I love that. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. Y'all just take that, take that, take that. Take that. Um, yeah, that's good. And you know what? I forgot. I have to put these on for this part of my question, though, because I don't know how I skipped over these. This was the reason why we were talking about un unboxing. This is the other part of the unboxing. You all will note this is on brand. One thing that Lovey knows how to do, y'all, is be on brand and sell a book. So I'm putting on my glasses because now, Lovey, here's our next exercise. Y'all didn't know that you was about to get a master class too. I wasn't going to have a master on and not have a class. So here we go. Let me put this on. Make sure that fits under the wig. Oh, wait. I got to take this You got to take the sticker off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can't be looking all the way. protection. This okay. is like the, you know, the dude that got saved and went to church for the first time and got his first suit and left that little tag on the sleeve. That's what that was. On the sleeve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold on, I got to fit that under the wig. Okay, there we go. Now, Lovey, on page, what page is this? There's no page number on this, but it's uh, 17, 16 and 17. Okay. Your life's mission statement. Yes. <sighs> we have to do this, Lovey. We've got it. We've got to do this. We're going to do this. I'm yes. Waiting. So the first question is, what's your name? And um, I want y'all to do this at home because I want y'all to see that she didn't just write a book. She's walking you through how to live your life better. Okay. So Lovey doesn't say that she's um, a coach of lives, but that should also be in the Oriki, I believe. Yes. Um, because the first book and this book does that. So we're going to do this. I think we can do this. Um, we can do this in like three minutes, can't we? Okay. Let's, let's try Okay, so write my name. My name is Angela Rod. Lovey, you have to do this too. I already did mine, but continue. Oh, you did? Okay, well then you're just going to read your answers. Who are you proud to be related to? Ooh, my whole family. I have my mom and dad, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Well, both of my grandmothers. was really, really close to Gramps, my, great, my, my grandfather, my dad's dad. And then I have a medicine woman in my, um, in my family. Um, on my mom's side, my great, great grandmother. And I'm mm. proud of that because I'm like, we are natural healers. So I want to do yes. everything I do. I want to be healing. Um, even on my worst day, what makes, uh, even on your worst day, what makes you amazing? Wait, hold on. Who 
Who are you proud to be related to besides your I grandmother? I am proud to be related to my mom, Yemi Siajayi, and I call her out. So, yeah. yeah. Um, even on your worst day, what makes you amazing? I think I'm consistent, like unapologetically consistent. Mine is that I can look in the mirror and be proud of the woman that I've become. Mm, I love that. What or who do you hold dear? What do you cherish? Um, my family, I hold dear. What do I cherish? Um, time spent with others. Like I love um, when my family comes over, especially during COVID, this has been really, really hard because mm-hmm. I can't see them as much. Last time I saw my parents, Lovey was in October. So now mm-hmm. I just got my first vaccination. They are, have been vaccinated twice. And my dad is like, is this going to work against the mother strains? And I'm like, can y'all please come over here? <laughs> can y'all just do the, the vaccination? Exactly. Um, what about you? What I cherish is my life lived happy, whole, and healthy. I love it. What are your core values? What do they mean? Um, loyalty. Mm. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory, explanatory truth. Yep. Um, and love. Yes. Yes. Mine is honesty, authenticity, and benevolence. Mm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What brings you joy? Um, dancing, singing with the music up loud so I can't hear myself as well. Yes. Yes. Um, And cooking. Ah, so it makes it brings me joy when I am able to make somebody else's life easier and also see my enemies upset. Lovey's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what is worth fighting for, even if your arms are too short to box with God? My people. Yes. My people. Yes. Always. I think I like. I want to fight for people who feel like they are powerless or voiceless. Mm. I love that, lovey. What do you want them to say when they're lowering you into the ground? Oh, um, you know, biblically, there's a scripture that says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. And I, I want my community to feel that way, too. I want God to see that, my family to see that, and my community to see that so that it's consistent. Going back to that word. And I want people to say the world was better because she was here. Woo! It is. Lovey. And we're better because of these two books. We're better because of these two books. That was good. I love that. I hope that y'all do that and continue to revisit it. Uh, Lovey has a website where you can download that worksheet and do so much more to continue to be a what? Professional fear fighter. And a tr- yeah, and a professional trouble. And a fear fighter. Yes. Yes. Sorry, the people that gardened and came through here and now they uh, put this spraying leaves. I don't know if you can hear that. Hopefully not. Okay, so now you have in here, I am secretary of Team Too Much. Yes. And I want to know from you, um, what's a recent too much moment that you've had? Whether somebody told you you were being too much or you were like, okay, no, I know. This isn't about uh, you judging me. This is me judging myself. This was actually team extra too much right now. Um, when I knew I was team too much, when I was in my team's business, I was being too nosy. <laughs> Have y'all done this thing? And they're like, ma'am, we already handled it. You face your front and you be CEO and stop trying to be all up in our mix. And I was like, ah, okay. 
I was being too invasive in not trusting, being mm-hmm. too untrustworthy in that moment. Wow. And I had to check myself to be like, let them do what you're supposed to have them do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you talk about in the book being nine and coming to America um, for the first time, was that your first too much moment or is that the one that you wanted to share because you thought it would be most relatable to folks read the book? It wasn't my first too much moment because I was the kid who talked too much, who mm-hmm. was told that she 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 challenged authority too much. So yeah. the person that people see today is the seven year old me. I, my favorite thing to say was like, that's not fair. Like, yeah. I always had to let people know when I felt cheated or if I felt somebody else was cheated and I'd get in trouble for it. And I'd be like, OK, I'll take the punishment, but I'm still going to let you know how I feel about it. You know, so sometimes I got the you talk too much. And I'm like, all right. Right. And I grew up to be a speaker who got paid, who gets paid a lot to now use my mouth. A lot of us that were called too mouthy became writers, became hosts, became correspondents, became truth tellers. And I'm just like, we spend a lot of time being told that we're too something. And that two thing is our superpower. Typically is the thing that we're actually supposed to double down on because that's usually a gift. Right. Somebody who's considered too thoughtful or too quiet is probably an intuitive reader is probably somebody who a therapist like they would make amazing therapists. And I'm just like they usually get beat out of us or abused out of us or insulted out of us. And then we grow up and we're trying to figure out what our purpose is. And we're like, what am I supposed to be doing? What was seven year old you doing? What was seven year old you How is she moving through the world? And before the world abused that personhood out of her, who was she? That's probably who you're supposed to be. That's so good, Levy. It's so good. So I hope y'all are thinking about that um, and will continue to think about that while you read. Here is uh, another good point. You talk about the um, audacity of unshackled white men being massive in the book. And those are complete facts. Like, you talk about the folks at Summit buying <laughs> a mountain. And um, a mountain. the thing that I thought about here was, you know, when you consider the privilege of dreaming big, which you also reference, what is the thing that you um, are dreaming big about right now that you haven't mm. voiced? You know, that because as we know from reading this book, it's a fear fighter manual. And the reason, reason for that is because it's something that we constantly have to do. You go to the next level, it's a new fear, you know, right? New things. New so things. what is the, the big dream you have right now that you haven't voiced yet? Ooh, let me think. The big dream. Honestly, I want to have a company. I want to have a production company where I am now a conduit to somebody else's amazing content getting out in the world. Because I want to actually give people the audacity to dream in the moments when they're like, oh, I want to do this. No, no. Why don't we make it bigger? Why don't we make this even just ginormous all over the all over the place? And I think about and now the reason why I use Summit is because, Angela, if we went to a cabin and we had an amazing weekend, we might be like, I want to buy the mattress. These people went to a cabin and had an amazing weekend and said, I want to buy the mountain that the cabin was on. We've been told all we can dream of is the mattress. Mm. They thought to dream of the mountain. And I'm like, yeah. what? Just yeah. the idea that you can even think a mountain could be up for sale is so big that imagine. And then they did it. <laughs> then Period. they bought the mountain. But we would be thinking about the mattress. Like, I want to have 
the audacity to dream of buying mountains. Or girl, we might be like, where'd you get this throw from? I want to get the this throw. throw. <laughs> I want the mug from the right? coffee that I drank. This, these fools well, would like, that I would ask them for free though. We would, we would That's get the mug for free. Like, let me hold that. You can get another one. Where you get this from? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So this next, this next part, you talk about um, being afraid to call yourself a writer. Yeah. And lovey when I tell you I was like looking to this book like can this bitch see me like <laughs> let me tell you why so Mark Lamont Hill um my dear friend got me a shirt from Uncle Bobby shout out to Uncle Bobby's that said writer on it and it was his way of nudging me as you also have nudged to get this book done and that shirt has sat I'm sorry Mark but this is the truth confessions of a fearful writer um, yes. has sat in my closet on a hanger and I'm scared to even put the shirt on because I'm like, I'm not worthy. I haven't, I've only written pieces. I haven't written the book. I can't put it on until I'm released someplace in the book. I am starting to write the book now, thankfully, but I still feel very afraid. And when people say writer to me, there are a lot of things that people call me lovey. I'm fine. But this one in particular has some weight on it that I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, and even here you say like, Toni Morrison and Maya Angelou and Zora Neale Hurston. Speaking of Toni Morrison, this book I'm rereading now, um, Angela Davis's autobiography, which who I'm named after. Do you know Toni Morrison was her editor of that book? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, when you say these are like writer writers, like I get that. Talk about how you overcame the fear, the conviction, the ability to call yourself a writer. There are people at home right now, lovey, that aren't just scared to write books. They're scared to write an article, scared to write that blog post, scared to write a longer Instagram caption. Talk about, part, you know, what, yeah, right? Talk about how you overcame I'm so glad that. you said this to me, Angela. I didn't Girl. know I could have been in your text messages this whole time. Like, ma'am. That's why so I didn't I'm, tell you, because the way that you do got it. on me last time, Jeff. Now I'm going to do it. But, um... Yes. So I was afraid of the, the title writer because it just felt too big for me to wear. It felt like I was wearing a coat that was too big for me because those who came ahead and, and above me were like legends, icons. And I was like, how dare I call myself the same thing they are? But check this. You're supposed to call yourself that thing because you're already doing it. Right. It would be different if you weren't doing the work. And being a writer is not just about writing books. It's not you've written scripts. You've written pieces that might not be bound, but you're still a writer. You're using your words to touch people each and every day. You're using your words to transform the world. You are as much of a writer as Toni Morrison was, and even she would tell you that, right? And I think for us, even beyond the writer thing, there's people who are afraid to call themselves photographers, you know, creative, CEO. There, there's so many titles that we will think is too big for us. But if you are doing the work, you are as much of a writer as some people who call themselves writers who ain't did nothing yet, right? You're more than a writer than they are because you've done the work. And I think for us, we need to stop being afraid of these titles for the work that we're already doing. Just think about it on a logical level. Do you use your words every single day to touch people? The answer is yes. If you went months without writing, you would feel weird, right? You'd be like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That is the mark of a writer. and Sometimes the reason why it's hard for you to own the title is because you don't see it in the way it looks for you. 
right? You're like, nobody really is doing it like me. Well, in those moments, you're supposed to be that example for somebody else. You become the example that somebody then uses later that goes, well, I can be a writer because Angela's a writer too. And Lovey's a writer. And, you know, Mark is a writer. And I think that's powerful. So until you own that title, even, even if you still think it's too big, still call yourself that, wear that t-shirt tomorrow. Because it's like the universe is waiting and God is waiting to unlock what's really for you when you honor that. Like your gift is using your words. And he's like, I'm just waiting for you to say yes so I can like let you have everything I have. But until you say it, until you say it, it might not come through. So that's probably why you're struggling through writing this book. The, there's a bit of self-sabotage in that, right? Where you know that your what? words are really going to hit. Yeah. You're not afraid of failure. You're afraid, afraid of success. Usually yeah. in those moments, because you're like, I know this power that I'm holding back and you're afraid of what the next level might look like. Mm. And I discovered this in therapy, too, because I was doing it last year. I was procrastinating on this book. And my late therapist was like, what are you afraid of that you're doing this form of self-sabotage? And I was like, self-sabotage. And she was <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but I was like, damn, she's right. Mm-hmm. So it's because, you know, these words that you're going to put on paper are going to be transformative. Mm. so then you're finding reasons to stay where you are because the next level might be uncomfortable because you're not sure what comes with it yeah so the words will sit on your shoulders though they'll sit on your shoulders unless you get them on paper so get them on paper you know this is the last thing on this because i'm like shoot my time is going and i got 97 more questions but here's the thing you good you know um yeah until tiffany come get us but the thing that um that i also kind of fear is this is like the bearing of your soul in a completely different way. Yes. And when you are that raw, lovey, you know, with raw comes tenderness. And so I've been walking around here since starting to write super fragile, super tender. Mm-hmm. And then you imagine, well, you, I, you don't have to imagine, you know, you put that out in the world and people got something to say about it, which is their job. But if it ain't what you want to hear for the perfectionists or those of us who are trying to get out of perfectionism, girl, that's hard. So the first thing that comes to mind is Erica saying, I'm an artist, so I'm sensitive about my shit, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, can I handle that? And the truth is probably not. Like, <laughs> you come at me, I don't be like, forget you, you've handled way worse. Girl, I don't care about the people. I'm talking about when it's like, you know, us, you know. In, in that's, that's what I'm saying. You've handled way worse. You, some his, some of them don't count either. I'm talking about like us, like, you know, the people I respect us. is, yeah, the people I respect and look up to, like, I want them to be proud and all of that. Anyway, we're going to have to have a separate session on that because I ain't about to take up all these people's time. That's we're going to talk about it, though. We're going to oh, talk yeah. about it, though. I'm ready. I'm going I'm to be ready for you. I'm going to listen more than I'm going to talk right. on that one. All right. Um, this part right here, I relate to so much. This is an ask for more. Yes. Whoo! This about to be another therapy moment. You say I pride myself on being team. I get shit done no matter what. Lovey, mm-hmm. the struggle of a black woman who might or may not may or may not be associated with being a mule of the world. Come on, <laughs> that's all we know how to do. And so you, um, you also talk about uh, like during a therapy session. Like the work going through letting somebody help you. We are conditioned in a lot of ways, even from our upbringing. My dad told me once, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Do it yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's hard to shed that when you're like, well, you know, yo, my daddy told me that. So that ain't wrong. It's wrong. It's two left shoes. Talk about talk about your journey of not stopping to get things done, but not doing everything. Because you can't, you're going to break your Girl. back and you have to ask for help. Like we have been told some, some of our worth has been tied to how productive we can be, yes. how much of a superwoman we can be. And I'm just unlearning it in the last couple of years where I'm like, my worth cannot be tied to my output. It can't. Like y'all, y'all can't think I'm valuable because I'm writing every single day or posting every single day. I can leave it, leave it for two weeks and still come back and still be as valuable. And just in general, in the world, we need to be able to ask for help because we weren't meant to be empires of one. That's not how this is going to go. Our time is finite. You know, when people say like, Beyonce got 24 hours in a day. So do you? No, she don't. Beyonce wouldn't even tell you that she got 24 hours in a day. She has like 4,000 because she has all these people helping her. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make her less valuable. It actually makes her more valuable because she's now using her power to have other people honoring their own gifts, right? So for us, I think about love and I think about how many of us are givers and we love being like generous. We're like, yes, I want to give. But then what happens when you don't allow other people to give to you in form of service? You know, how do people show you love if you're not receiving their help, if you don't receive their compliments, their time, their money, their energy? And you're just like, no, no, I got it. I don't got it. I actually don't have it. Just can you please help me? Because it will be better for you to do it. I can be good if I'm operating my zone of genius. Let me do that. Everything else. Can you help me? You can. Oh, my God. Thank you. I appreciate that. Girl, I'm working through that. In this next one, on boundaries. This is draw your lines, but this is about boundaries. The cold thing, lovey, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I think we vibe on on so much else, I would be surprised. But I'm really good at the boundary where it's like cutting somebody off. You know, the one that's very punishing. My therapist, my holistic therapist, Yadi, says um, there's a difference between a loving boundary and a punishing one. Mm. Right? And those are, it, for me, it's easier to do the punishing one than the loving one because the love that I've seen exhibited and most of the love that I've lived is about sacrificing self, which is the very thing that you're getting at even around, um, you know, asking for more. Um, I love when you talk about your boundaries hugging, which is the joke I made early about Lil Jordan, who you said you would hug. Lil Jordan, but girl, my, my favorite hugs. My boundaries of hugs is just that people who I don't know. Like, if I don't know your name, yeah, it's weird for me to hug you. But my yeah. friends, my peoples, yeah, yeah. right? Yes. But, like, random strangers walking up to me on the, on the street and hugging me makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, and it, I was relating to this. And even um, before I got to the part where you referenced COVID, the one thing I hate, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not trying to be insensitive about COVID at all. Like, I'm praying for all those who've lost loved ones. Um but yo, the one thing that I was like, oh, I hate shaking people's hands. It's so yes. nasty, especially when I'm eating. Don't try to shake my hand. And so I, I wanted to briefly go through an exercise where Levy, somebody who you don't know, wants to hug you. And they come in for the hug, Levy, and you say, hey, I'm not a hugger, but nice to meet you. It's beautiful. It's kind. It works. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, I think we're afraid of like showing our boundaries because we're afraid that it makes us seem mean. 
Yeah. If me, if my boundaries offend you, you should probably reassess why it yeah. offends you that I am drawing a line that makes me comfortable by my body, especially, mm. especially our bodies. Right. Yeah. If we can't draw the line that says, I don't want somebody who I don't know having that much access to my body. Yeah. My God. I, I remember I asked it on Twitter. I said, what is a polite way to tell somebody that you don't want to hug? And everybody was replying with like, tell them you're, you have a cold, hold something in your hands. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so you're ultimately saying that for me to have a right to express my boundaries, I actually have to lie. Mm-hmm. So I can't even be honest. That's mm-hmm. weird. What are we saying as we are, are walking through this world where we're saying that you either have to self-sacrifice or you have to lie to honor yourself? That's weird. Yeah. And, and, and it is literally our normal way of doing things. You talk about lying in this book as well. Um, and, and reference a study from the University of Massachusetts, I think, where you say they say people lie in a conversation every 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. Just by, by habit. at least once in 10 minutes. Just by habit, because it's just how we've, we just operate. How you doing? Fine. That's a lie. Like, mm-hmm. right. When you, when you instantly answer, do you like my hair? Sure. Right. Like <laughs> and you will do it. Your, your friend will come with the messed up like haircut that they just got. And they'll ask you like, so what you think? And you'd be like, I love it, girl. That's cute. Where that every it's day. It's cute. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and they're small lies. It's not like each one is harmful. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, each time you lie and I know you're lying or I have to call you out on it, it makes me honor your, vo- your, your word less, right? We yeah. say your, your, your word is your bond. But mm-hmm. if we're constantly lying, how is it our bond? So I'm always like, how can I lie less? Like, how can I take effort to say fewer things that I don't believe. So mm-hmm. if people are asking me something, just trust, I'm going to tell you the truth because I don't want you to catch me in the lie later on. I don't want you to be like, I thought you said you like my hair, but this picture I posted on Instagram, my hair was wonky. Why didn't you tell me? I thought, you know, because I want to be the person that people have to doubt less. Yeah. And if you can't not lie, be quiet. That part. You know, it's like just... Be quiet. Just don't say nothing. Be like, mm. don't say nothing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you speaking of, of boundaries, though, to go back for a second in the grow wildly chapter, you say your change and your choices aren't about anyone else. They are about you. What is best for you might offend other people, because once you start making choices that are truly yours, others might project their failure to do the same on you and resent you for it. That is not your fault, nor is it your business. Grow anyway. Do what's hard anyway. Change anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love this. And it to me, this really spoke to me, lovey, because it's my biggest fear. Like, I hate to disappoint people. And then in the process, you know, again, going back to how we're conditioned, particularly as Black women, we are trained almost to disappoint ourselves first. Um, biblically speaking, prefer one another above yourself. That was never meant to mean deny our basic needs, right? To deny ourselves our purpose. We also know the parable of the talents, right? Like there are things that happen as a result of you denying yourself. How do you find that balance? And how do you find you're still working through that? I don't know. I think sometimes we think we're supposed to be Jesus. Jesus Girl. had to sacrifice his life, not me, right? <laughs> like Jesus already paid the price. I ain't got to pay the price for yours. I don't. So, yeah. well, you know, preach, preacher. like, that's why I'm like, we have to figure out how we can honor ourselves 
first mm. because we have to answer to ourselves first. We're afraid of disappointing a lot of people, but people are fickle. Humans are fickle. So to, to bend ourselves to the will of human beings is to be in a constant futile mission because Ooh. you can bend yourself backwards and people will still think you didn't bend yourself enough, still think you didn't do enough. So then all you, because they're not running. doing their work. All because, and a lot of that is people projecting their stuff on you, right. stuff that doesn't belong to you, right? So when we're changing, and a lot of us will know this, like many of us, as we're climbing the ladders in our careers, we've lost friends who have seen yeah. our success as projections of their failures. It ain't had nothing to do with me. So should I be less successful because you feel bad because you haven't done what you were supposed to do? Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I can't take that on. So when we're growing and changing and evolving and trying to be the people that we were brought here to be, yeah. I can't answer to you and myself. Yeah, I can't. So I have to just honor me first. And then, of course, with the power that I'm building, you know, use it in service of others. But if I haven't built the power, I can't use it. Yeah. Man. So speaking of denying oneself, you got a whole ass chapter called Fire Yourself. And I was like, Levy, this is just disrespectful. It's just <laughs> was I dragging you? Was business. I dragging you? All in my business. And it's funny because I, I know I already talked about my dad earlier, but you say this part, I'm not good at everything. Let me tell you how my visceral response was like, what, what you what you mean? Just no, I'm not. No, you know, <laughs> what? And um, so I was like, well, maybe in the spirit of this masterclass slash book read slash book review podcast, you could tell me three things you're not good at. And I'm going to give you my three, too. Bam. I am not good at operations. Mm. I can do it. It's my zone of competence, but it's not my zone of excellence. I'm not. It holds me up. Right. I am not great at math. Ooh, I'm not. I, I just yeah. don't need to be counting that much. Okay. <laughs> might count wrong. I might count wrong. You don't want me to be the one. Um, um, and I am not good at... What else am I not good at? I'm not good at video. Like, editing video. Ooh, that's hard. I'm not. So, yeah. I need to not even touch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dang, you name those. And I'm like, I agree with all three of those for myself. <laughs> you know what's, what's been really hard for me? Levy, I am a communicator, right? Like part of my job in this world is commentating. So when I hear from my team that I didn't express something clearly, I'm like, what you mean? Like, that's actually my uh, superpower. What do you, like, literally will cop attitude. And what I'm finding is, my, like, just like my father, my father will call you and the conversation starts like this. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> not hello, not what you doing. <laughs> like, he literally has had this whole first part of this conversation before he got to you, sis. Like, it's like... <laughs> And so the same thing is happening with me. What I will be doing in my mind is I will have mapped out a plan and I'll tell them at step five. Uh, and my expectations were that they would intuitively know what happened in one through four. Steps one through four. Girl. And it's a problem because I'm like, oh, I literally have to unpack this because I'm going like this. And um, also I'll start in a, it won't be so anyway, but I'll be like, yeah, so they said, and Najah will be like, who is they? Who's that? And I'm like, oh, 
Right. And I'm like, damn, I'm really not that good. So that was a long way of talking about uh, my communication challenges. I'm not good with new people. Um, That's good. I'm not good with new people. It is. um, I don't feel super secure around Mm. new people. And it comes off as stuck up um, or standoffish. Um, because I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. Like I'm like, I'm part of it. You're slow to warm up girl. Very slow. slow. It it might not, it it might be next time. Right. Like it's, (laughs) it's like just a fear of rejection partially. And also like, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to read you still. I can't feel where this energy is. Right. So there's that. Um, and then the last thing is I'm terrible at saying no. That again, why that boundaries, that draw the line chapter stuck out to me. Same. Lovey, I will say yes and then be mad at your ass. I don't need to be mad at you. I need to be mad at myself. I'm resenting you for taking away time that I didn't have because you clearly needed my help. Nobody asked, nobody asked me to be the hero. I don't need to be the hero of that moment, of your mission. Like, I'm terrible. Nobody asked me to be the hero. That's such a powerful reflection that so many of us need to write down. Nobody asked us to constantly be the hero and it's wiping us out. Girl. And mad. And then and then they're like, well, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm just tired. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So that's why the whole part with your therapist and what she was like, your husband did ask you for help though. And you were like, like, (laughs) read me. I feel you. That's exactly oh, nobody asked me to be the hero. Girl, that's it. Even when I'm asking, like when I'm when I'm like asking my team questions about certain things, whether they've done it, they ain't asked me to come through and try to save the day. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody did. Nobody did. Dang. I have it's we have 50 minutes since we started taping. I got two more questions. I have to ask yeah. these two. I will table yes. the rest of these. But y'all need to get this book. Like I'm telling you, it's so lovey. And let me say this before I go to my two questions. And I now sound like the Senate filibuster, but roll with me because this is a book promotion. What I love about your writing style, whether it's your blog, again, an Instagram comment or this book, it is so like, I can literally hear you, right? I can Mm. hear you saying this and it's so practical. It is um, translatable. It is relatable. It is funny. You have your own lingo, sis, uh, your whole old vernacular that people just got to catch up. You're like, here's this asterisk, stick with it. Here it is in parentheses. No, it's coming up again. (laughs) I just love it. And um it's just, it's just like, okay, this is common sense. And you do it in a way that doesn't make people feel bad for not getting it yet. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like a very like straightforward, don't worry. If you don't get it, let me walk you through it. Here are the questions you need to ask yourself. And now we got a new challenge at the next chapter. It's like, level up, let's go. I love I it. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. That really means a lot. That means a lot. Girl, it's good. Um, okay, so there is this, in, um, take no shit. Because you know that we're both pretty much known for this, but there it comes with some stuff. Shit. <sighs> Girl. So I want to know the balance in taking no shit versus being nice versus being rude AF, which is kind of what we're talking about. Like when I was just saying, this is what I'm not good at. Because I, I don't know how to navigate those. It's too much being too much in one, in one or the other, right? It's like, Either I'm being like, I don't have to do that. Like taking no shit doesn't mean you have to be rude. And it doesn't mean that it has to be extra. Oh, well, let me just tell you, this is my balance. Like, where's the balance in that? 
just don't expect me to be nice. Just I'm freeing myself from the expectation of nice because nice is a trap. It's wildly, wildly subjective. And people use it to weaponize your name Mm. because in that moment, they didn't find you chipper enough. Yeah. Kind is what you should be. Kind is what I aspire to be. Yeah. I might not be chipper, but I'm also going to be speaking up for you in a room. Yeah. I might not, you know, and, and I think the real difference between nice and kind, and I think we we put a lot of stock in nice, not enough in kind. Nice is being like, Angela, it's raining today. Okay, that's cool. Kind is, Angela, you want to use my umbrella? Right? You see, the difference is I actually care about what happens to you. I'm not just randomly dropping this at your feet. I'm like, do you need an umbrella? Because I got one. You can use mine. That's kind. We need to yeah. be more kind. I don't need the nice where it's like, oh my God, how chipper was she when she met me? Mm-hmm. And people do that and weaponize it against women. Oh my God, I met Angela. She wasn't nice. What does that mean? Did she cuss Girl. you out? Did she cuss you out? I met Lovey. She wasn't nice. How? Why? You know, what does that actually mean? When, when somebody tells you that person was not nice, interrogate what that actually means. Is it mm-hmm. because they weren't receiving the energy they assumed they would? The person yeah. wasn't performing for them when they met them. But kind, I know I'm kind. I might not be the nicest, but I'm really kind. Like, I care about the world. I care about other people. I will use my voice in service of those who might not be in the room. I will use my power in service of those who might not be in the room and who might not have the power. That, for me, lets me look at myself in the mirror. Not that I said hi to somebody, a high-pitched voice. Mm-hmm. Hi! Hey! Oh, my God! Hey. So good to meet you! Well, here's one thing, and it's not part of my second question, so this does not count against me, but I am wondering, in these Nigerian um, uh, friend text groups, if those are all ni- kind. Because <laughs> the drag, you talk about- We drag each other so bad. Like, Oh, my God. I'm working on using my words to heal, and I was like, oh, I got some new bars I might need to use before I bars. Can transition to words with that heal. Queen of bars. Get me. <laughs> Bars. Nigerians are savages. Okay, we just be cutting each other apart. But it's like a game. It's our it's our dirty dozens. Okay. <laughs> well, in my defense, I do have. I think it's like thirty seven percent Nigerian in my uh in my bloodline. So maybe it just counts. <laughs> and sometimes a I good a good cut down is is valid. Sometimes people come at you crazy and they gotta All have the it. All the sometimes time. on certain days I will make time. All the time. Be like, I actually have more than twenty four hours today. 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 <laughs> so you have in the, this book is sectioned off. I promise, Tiffany, if you're listening, this is my last question for my dear sis, Lovey. But you have in this book, it's broken up into three sections. Be, say, and do, which I believe is, you know, the mathematical equation for those of us who are not great at adding to really be an integrity. Right. And so I'm curious to know from your vantage point, what are the like the percentages of each of those Mm. for people to find like that sweet spot, the gift of really moving in and on purpose. What are the the percentage of be, the percentage of say, and the percentage of do? I think it is more an order. It's a sequence. Mm. First, you have to be and think in the right way, right? All the things that's happening, all the fears and all the anxieties and all the doubts and the box that they put you in. How do you like talk to yourself to get you out of that box, right? How do you know that you're not, you don't belong in it, that all the things that people are saying about you that's not true is not real. You got to work on the mindset. And honestly, I'll put post-it notes around my desk any day where I'm like, I am enough. I always win. I have exactly what I need. Whatever the affirmation is. Is that what's up there right now? Is that what you have right now? Right now, none of my post-its are up because I just redid my office. Oh. So I ain't put them back up yet. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't put them back up yet. 
And then once you be, then you have to start using words and, and, and making sure that your words represent your integrity mm. or represent service or, or just honor you in some way. Like, and I quote, you know, the late great John Lewis in this book about how we should be ready to make necessary good trouble. Yes. I'm like, okay, once you're ready to make that necessary good trouble, now you got to do, right? You got to put action to these words and to this new mindset you got, because without the action, what's the words? It just sounds good. Yeah. So it's a sequence. Everything that we do, we, we start with the B and then we start putting the words and then we put the feet to it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I put it in that order. I love that, Lovey. You are such a gem and a gift to the culture, to the world. If you all know what's good for you and what's good for my sister, let me not even lie. Get this book, like Game Changer. And Lovey, it's a classic. Like this should be not just it's not just self-help. I really feel like this should be taught in business schools um, all around the country. Right. Um, Psychology students should be looking at this like y'all need to put this on your required reading list for your classes, especially in COVID. Right. Like how how can you balance a pandemic with being or as Lovey says, a a panorama with being a (laughs) professional troublemaker Um, and, you know, be fearless. Go ahead and put them on. In fact, let me take a screenshot so we people can oh, see yeah. us. We cute. Yes, come on, it's I a feel, look. I feel like I look like her right now. I don't think I can sing like her though. That's hilarious. Is that your celebrity lookalike? No, girl, just loves with the glasses. My celebrity <laughs> lookalike um, without a wig on is with just my curly hair is probably Whitley Gilbert when she was still on a different world. I got called Whitley oh. growing up all the time. Oh, oh, and Aaliyah, I got some pictures where I look like Aaliyah when I was younger too. I can show you. Oh, you know. I would have I don't a heart, and I would know all the I would know all the moves because I thought I could. Anyway, let me let you go so Tiffany don't cut me off or cut, no, cut Angela, me out or you, cut me off. You are amazing, and I am so so deeply affirmed by your presence. Oh. Right, having a, a fellow troublemaker to look to and be like, "Yo, I can keep talking because Angela will be talking." Like it is. <laughs> so important like you serve as an affirmation of my presence like you really do and I know the things that you do is not easy as this truth bringer I know think people throw stuff at your feet every day but just so you know I'm cheering for you always if you ever need backup I got you I know and that's right I so appreciate your sisterhood you just everything and I'm so glad I could be on this podcast oh it's my pleasure thank you for doing this for workshopping with me y'all got a master class a book review some shade, some jokes, some teachable moments, some stuff to put on post-it notes, you name it. Y'all go do this Ariki challenge. I can't wait to do that. Like, I'm excited about that. So Let's do by it. the time the podcast is up, we'll be ready. And um, you'll see it in my social media bios. I can't wait. Let's go. When you finish it, send it to me. I need to know. And, and, and if people do the Ariki challenge, use the hashtag Ariki challenge. And feel free to tag me because I've already started seeing people doing it. I love it. Well, let's do it, y'all. And now this book goes, bam, right there. Love you, sis. Congratulations. You. I know this is another bestseller. And um, keep crushing